Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Hey, uh, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here. You're looking good today. Um, You know, I'd be remiss. I always talk about the Cowboys. Many of you think that Cowboys are like number one in in, uh, maybe my sport life, but uh, actually the Rangers... Uh, Texas Rangers playing in game six, so um, if you're going to pray, pray today. Pray today. They need help. All right, a couple things. In all of our campuses, at all of our campuses, in the lobby, there is an area that says groups and connections. Maybe you're here and you've moved here from another area of the country and you've been following the Lord for a long time and Maybe you led a small group back at your home church or, or whatever, or maybe you've been at Hope for a while and it's time to lead. It's time for you to say, hey, you know what? I think I could lead a group. We have a table or an area in, at each of our campuses and online, I think, as well, um, that you could actually go say, you know what? I'd like to lead a men's group, or I'd like to lead a couple's group, a, a home group, or I'd like to do whatever. We have a table back there, more information. When you go back there, you're not signing up for ne- anything necessarily. You can just get some more information, find out and pray about it, and uh, we'd love to have you join us in leading a group. The, the second thing on that, in that area is connections. Maybe you're here and you've not been involved and you're not yet connected anywhere in the sense of serving. Man, we have at, at all of our campuses areas in which we need you uh, in our connections team. That means parking or greeting or ushering or, you know, whatever. We have a ton of room for you. So those areas are at each of our campuses. And let me just say, we have less than 100 spots left for the women's conference. So if you're, I never say this, but you need to get your phone out right now while I'm talking. And you need to secure your ticket because it's going to go quick. Women's conference is going to be awesome. So um, I hope you'll sign up for that. Now, we've been in a series um, called Jesus Centered. And, And the whole idea... <clears throat> is not just as individuals, although that's, you know, the, the important thing is that you and I do our best to get centered uh, in our lives around Jesus or that he is the center of our lives. Like, a, like a, I, I talked to you last week about a potter's wheel. Uh, when, you're, when you have that clay on that wheel, what, whatever you're going to make, whether it's a vase or a bowl or a glass, if it's not centered, it will not be correct. It will, it will be crooked. It will be uh, misformed. What we're trying to do is say, Jesus, we want to put you at the center. So over the last few weeks, here's where we've been. Week one, we talked about Jesus-centered belief. It's important that you know what you believe, that we believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. We not only believe that, but we also want to follow him. And so last week we talked about Jesus-centered living. What does it look like to li- actually live for Jesus? And we looked at the Sermon on the Mount and kind of divided into buckets and said, you know, this part of my life and this area of my life and this area of my life, am I living for? Is Jesus at the center of my life? Now, that's easier said than done. It's, a, it's an ongoing, lifelong journey. Today, I want to talk about Jesus-centered mission. Now, this has a lot to do with living, because I really do believe the way that we believe affects the way that we live, and the way that we live affects our influence. 
So I looked up the definition for mission. Usually Webster's is not good enough for me. I make up my own. This time, I'm gonna use it, all right? Here's the definition from Webster's Dictionary. A specific task with which a person or a group is charged. That's pretty good. Not bad. In other, words, in other words, the reason why we exist. What is it about your life that drives you? What is at the center of your life? Many of us might say family. Go back to week one. Many of us might say my job. Go back to week one. Many of us might say my money or, you know, my career, you know, whatever. And again, what we're trying to say is, okay, Lord, we want you to be the center. Now, again, I understand that the concept is, well, for me, at least, in my head, it's very easy to understand that Jesus should be number one, that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. That's very easy for me to understand he should be one. It's much more difficult to put that into practice in my life. And I know, as spiritual as I am, that if it's difficult for me, it's way difficult for you, okay? So, you, you know I'm kidding. The, the idea, though, is that, you know what, many of us would say my mission, you know, yeah, I want to be a good father, I want to be a good mother, I want to be a good grandparent, I want to be a good businessman or woman, I want to be a whatever. And I, I just wanna, I want, I want us to, I want, to, I want us to look at the mission of Jesus, and then I want us to align with his mission for our lives. Luke 4, Jesus gives us, now, before we get to Luke 4, here's where Jesus has been. He has been baptized by John the Baptist. Then he goes into the desert, and he fasts for 40 days in the desert. Now, if I go without lunch one time, how many know you get hangry? I mean, it's like, man, I'm not feeling good. I I need something, right? So it's very, fasting is, you know, one meal, is like, man, that's a sacrifice. Lord, I hope you see this, right? (laughs) Well, Jesus is 40 days, okay? So this is crazy. Enemy comes in, you know, Tim Sims says, you know, this, 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 and he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. So so coming right out of that, he goes to his hometown, Nazareth, where he was raised. He was born in Bethlehem, but he goes to his hometown where where he was really raised in Nazareth, to the synagogue, and here's what he says, and he describes or he reads his mission. Luke 4, here we go. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Okay, so, so we're getting ready to go into this is why Jesus came came and was born of a virgin, lived for 30 years, was baptized, went to the desert to be tempted, and then he started his ministry. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm here. He anointed me to bring good news to the poor, not the financial poor, the spiritually poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, not physical captives, spiritual captives. That the blind will see, not the physical blind, the spiritual blind. That the oppressed will be set free, not the oppressed, uh, uh, the marginalized uh, people of the world, but spiritually oppressed. And that the time of the Lord, now, doesn't that he didn't care about those things, that somebody's blind or that they're in prison or that they are oppressed or marginalized or, you know, whatever. It's not that he didn't care, 
but this is a spiritual mission. That the time of the Lord's favor has come. That, that this is the year of Jubilee. This is the time in which debts are forgiven. Okay, it's a very, in, in, the, in the Old Testament times, this was a great time. That, that year, that favor has now come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. This is clear. It's simple. Here's why I'm here. Because we are, we have been separated from God because of sin. And what I'm going to do, and we're poor, and we're blind, and we're oppressed, and we're captive, and we need favor, and so I am here for the poor. I am here for the captive. I am here for the blind. I am here for the oppressed, and I'm here for those who need favor, which would be all of us. And he says, that's why I'm here. It's clear. It's simple. It's about reconciling a fallen world, a fallen person, to a loving God. That's why I'm here. Now, a Jesus-centered mission, let me put it on the screen like this. A Jesus-centered mission is not a project or an event. It's a lifestyle. Now, it doesn't mean that, it, that we don't do projects. Yesterday, and Friday night, we did a project here at our church where we put together 2,400 or, you know, whatever uh, boxes of food for those less fortunate in our area during Thanksgiving. Now, that's a project. And we prayed over every box. And we prayed that the people who are receiving this food through different organizations, that they would sense God's love. There's little notes in there. There's writings on the boxes, I think. And, and, and that's a project. So it doesn't mean that, that we can't do projects or that we can't do an event. Many of us were, we came to the Lord at a Billy Graham crusade, if you're older. Many of us, you know, came to the Lord at an event, maybe a camp or a retreat or something. So it's not that, the, that you don't do projects or events, but the mission of Jesus is more than just one project or one event or, or series. It is a lifestyle. This is, this is what I'm going to do. And, and Jesus would actually ha help us understand what this looks like in the next chapter. We're going to get to Luke 5 in just a minute. But the other day, I was asked uh, um, a question about our church. <clears throat> I was asked, hey, Hope is a large church. How do you manage the growth numerically with spiritual growth? In other words, can they both exist? Because it seems to, no, he wasn't saying this, but it, 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 to many of us, it seems that if you're a large church, you're a little more shallow. So the, the growth, the spiritual growth isn't there, but if you go to a smaller church, then you have a, a chance to really kind of grow in your faith. And, and, I, and I, I, I totally understand the point, but I'm, I just believe it's not an either or, it's a, it's a both and. I believe that you can have a lot of people and you can have spiritual growth. Now, does that mean all people are spiritually going to grow? No. Uh, many of you decide every week, you come here and you hear what I say, you hear what the word, more importantly, you hear the word, and then you go and do what you want to do, right? Because you're lame. But, <laughs> but, but those of us who love the Lord, right, 
we want to put into practice. You know, I said that in love. I said that in love. Um, uh, so it's, 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 listen, it, can you have a large church and spiritually grow? Yeah, of course. Can you have a small church and spiritually grow? Yeah, of course. Doesn't matter the size. Big is not better. Small is not better. Whatever the Lord gives you, you just steward that. And this goes back to the very, the first two weeks of our church. And I've, I've told this story before, but it's been a while, and just refresh, because it's important. The first week of our church, um, <clears throat> we came here December the 18th, 1999. That's when we moved to Frisco. Three weeks later, January 9th, we started our church. That was dumb, okay? We didn't know a single soul in the area. Didn't know, I mean, in, in Frisco. Didn't know one soul in Frisco except the person who rented us our apartment. That's the only person I knew. We put up a banner on a Saturday that said, Hope Fellowship had our logo 10 o'clock a.m. That's it. That was our advertisement. Okay, so if you want to come to me and ask for how do you start a small business or a church, I can't help you. Because <laughs> we just did so many things backwards. But anyway, God was gracious. And um, the second week of our church, oh, by the way, that day, January 9th, 2000, there were three churches in Frisco that started that very same day. Now, I would love to tell you that I was like, oh, kingdom, right? I would love to tell you that I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. The more the better. I was like... Man, this is my city. You know, it's, a, it's like, got your guns. I'm like, man, there ain't room enough in this town for both of us, you know. But second week of our church, it's a Saturday night. We're setting up in this Hillcrest Day School. Okay, it's right down on College and Hillcrest. And uh, it used to be called Hillcrest Day School. Now it's called something else. But they, um, we were setting up on a Saturday night for church on Sunday. And one of the other church pastors who was an acquaintance of mine uh, who started the same day, came into the driveway, saw us setting up, and he said, John, and I was in the trailer getting some chairs out, and I saw him, I went over his, his, his car, and, I, and, and he said, hey, man, how did it go last week? And he said, how many did you have? And I said, we had 53. And I mean, I mean without any advertisement, no, not knowing anybody, we had 53 people, that's like a miracle. That's like the fish in the loaves, like, what? <laughs> to us, okay, well, uh, he said, oh, that's awesome, man. It was a good offering. I said, $3,000. And for us, $3,000, it was like the first week. I mean, 50 people, and that's with kids and those expecting kids. You know, that they count. But, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's it. So I said, well, how did it go for you? And he goes, man, we had 878. That's like, my, on the outside, I was, praise the Lord. I won't tell you what was on the inside. <laughs> and uh, I said, oh, that's, that's awesome. Good offering, yeah, over 100,000. It's like, oh, praise the Lord. Hey, I gotta get back and set up my 50 chairs. <laughs> that week, so it would be the second week of our church. We had, that, we had that Sunday, we had 53 the first day, we had 40 something the next day. And that week, I was very discouraged. Now, it's so funny how the enemy messes with you or your own mind messes with you because the first week, we were like excited. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Wow, we're gonna make it. Second week, I'm like Elijah, you know, running from Jezebel. I'm like, oh my goodness. 
And I, you know, seriously, I was out at a, I took my lawn chair, my Bible, and my journal. I went to a little pond by our apartment, and uh, I just sat there, and I really was whining. I was like, God, I didn't want to come here anyway. Seriously. I, we wanted to go to McKinney. Uh, that was our first and a series of events. They just said, no, let, let's go to Frisco. So we were in Frisco. And so I'm thinking, I'm like, if I would have known they were going to start and have all these people, I wouldn't have started going to, you know, McKinney. Uh, this is crazy. I was kind of whining. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to say the wind didn't take the Bible to Matthew 25. Um, I don't know how or why I went there, but I went to Matthew 25, and it's the parable of the talents. And a, a, an owner goes out on a trip, and he brings three servants in, and he gives one five million, two, or I'll just call it million, five million, one two million, and one one million. He says, hey, I'm going to go on a trip. I want you to steward what I'm going to give you. And when I come back, we'll settle up. He comes back, the guy with five doubled it, gave him 10. The guy with two doubled it, gave him four. The guy with one didn't do anything with his money. He hid it in the ground, and he comes back to the master, and he says, hey, I didn't want to lose anything so I didn't really do much, but here's your money back. And the Lord, in my, it wasn't an audible voice, it was just in my heart said, listen, it's not up to you how much you've been given. It's up to you to steward what you've been given. Amen. In other words, hey, you're worried about this guy over here or that guy or girl, whatever. Don't you worry about that. I've got you. You just steward what I give you. Now, at that time, there were 24,000 people in Frisco. Guess what? There's a little more. There's like almost 250,000 people just in our city. McKinney, Prosper, Little Elm, Plano, we've all grown. This is like a crazy, and we're not ready for it. We don't have the roads. There are people who still can't drive, and it's just so, so annoying, and, and it's just like a big place. Listen. To whom much is given, much is required. I had no idea. I, I heard that Frisco was going to grow, but I had no idea it would grow like this. That we'd have the headquarters of the Dallas Cowboys, headquarters of the Dallas Stars, headquarters of the PGA America, headquarters of Hope Fellowship, right? You know, which is the better one of all of them, right? I had no idea. No idea. So when... Someone comes to me and says, hey, how big is too big? I don't know any other way to say this. When everybody in our city knows Jesus. When everybody in our area has a chance to hear the gospel and get connected, that's when it's big enough. So, Luke 4, Jesus gives us his mission. My job and I do believe this is our mission, by the way. If you're an attorney, this is your mission. If you're a doctor, this is your mission. If you're a businesswoman or man, this is your mission. If you are a teacher, this is your mission. If you're a student, this is your mission. It doesn't matter what you do in life, construction, uh, or, I mean, whatever, house, house person, it doesn't matter. That was politically correct. Did you get that? Did you get that? I was, I was like, man, good. All right. Luke 5. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like to be on mission. Luke 5. One day, as Jesus was pre preaching on the shore of Galilee, Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them 
and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who's Peter, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. So in other words, hey, I do this for a living. You don't know what you're talking about. But I'm going to be cordial because, I mean, we've worked all night and there's just nothing. It's, you know, it's just, you know, it is what it is. There's just no fish. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that, it, that they had caught as were the others with him, which all became disciples. Partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, well, here's, here's, this is what it looks like. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. Okay, so Jesus takes a physical thing, like fishing, like this is what they knew, they were commercial fishermen. They're not like you and me who go out and, Zebco. You know, they were commercial fishermen. They did this for a living. And he's going to take a physical thing and turn it into a spiritual thing so that they understand what he's all about and, and, and actually what you're going to be all about, Peter or Simon, and what you're going to be about, John or James or whoever, this is what we're about. It's not about real estate. It's not about money. It's not about construction. It's not about teaching. It's not about nursing. It's not about your restaurant. It's not about, it's about him. And through your restaurant, and through your real estate, and through your construction, and through your whatever, you're going to, Fish for people. Okay. Now, um, you're more lively today. I love this. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. All right. Number one, let me give you a few thoughts. Number one, it's okay to fish with nets. When I was asked, hey, this was at a breakfast meeting, what, when, is, when, is big en- when, when is it big enough? how do you manage spiritual growth versus numerical growth? And off the top of my head, this is where this message came from, by the way. Off the top of my head, I just said, I decided that it was okay to fish with nets. In other words, listen, can I, let me just, I'm a no filter here. I know that large church, quote, mega church, gets a bad name. I know that. I hear it all the time. You're all about money. You're all about numbers. You don't care for, you know, the, 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 all the people. You just care for the big crowd. 
I've heard it all, and it may all be true. I don't know. But I, but I had to make a decision that second week of our church that when I stand before the Lord as it relates to hope and as it relates to what he left in our hands, that I was not going to say us four and no more. That I was not going to say we're big enough. I made a decision that we're going to be, it's going to be okay to fish with nets. Now, that doesn't mean it's better, okay? Doesn't mean we're better and we're, you know, whatever, more talented or more gifted or, you know, whatever. Doesn't mean that. It just means that we're, it's, it's okay to fish with nets. Luke 5, 4, here's what he says. When he finished speaking, he said, Simon, go out to where it's deeper and then let down your fishing poles. No, I fish with a fishing pole. I've been in the Pacific Ocean and I fish with a fishing pole, Connor and I, and we caught a thresher shark, 249 pounds. Took us hours. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hours. That's not God's will for my life. <laughs> I'll be honest. That was, you call that fun? Those of you, I, know, I get it. I ride a motorcycle and you're going, that's fun. Yeah, it is. That was not fun. And you're like, oh my goodness. Okay, anyway, let down your nets to catch some fish. Let down your nets to catch some fish. It's okay to fish. Now, when you fish with nets, you have no idea what you're going to catch. You can catch a tire. Some of you are tires, right? You can catch all kinds of fish, not what you're looking for. When you throw that net out there, and I'm, I'm, listen, I, you can correct me. I don't know, even know, I've never fished with a net before, but I, I mean, I'm just guessing it kind of sinks down as a net, and then you pull it in, and there's all kinds of fish, okay? That's what I envision, it's probably what it is, and you have no idea what kind of fish you're gonna, you're just gonna, you're just gonna get all the fish in there, and this is what happened, they get all the fish, and they have no idea what it's gonna look like, and it may not be what you expected, Jesus, in his ministry, is throwing out nets, and guess what? He caught religious people. Nicodemus catches them at night so that no, none of his religious friends see him, and he says, there's something about you that's right. There's something about you that's different. I want to know. And Nicodemus becomes a follower of Jesus. On the total other spectrum, you have Zacchaeus, who was a vice president of tax collecting in that area, I mean, he was like high up, one of the wealthiest tax collectors, stealing, stealing from his own people to pay Rome and then pocketing the rest. And that's what Jesus catches. He catches Matthew and his tax collecting friends. He catches the Samaritan woman. He catches the adulterous woman. He catches Mary Magdalene. He catches cussing fishermen or whatever you do for a living cussing banker <laughs> or whatever. A Roman centurion, a thief on a cross. And he just throws his net out because it doesn't, listen, it doesn't matter to Jesus who you are. He just throws out the net and he brings it in. And this was a picture. This Luke 5 is a picture of what happens when you throw out a net. Listen, are there challenges? Yeah, number two. When you fish with nets, it's going, to be, it's going to get messy. Let's read Luke 5. 
Master Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full that the fish, they began to tear. As a shout for help, a shout for help brought the partners in the other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. There, there's, when, you throw, when you throw out the nets, guys, if you're, if you're gonna say, hey, whoever, whoever wills, I mean, who just, whoever you are, you're welcome at hope. Guess what? You're gonna get the religious. You're gonna get the tax collectors. And you're gonna get the prostitutes. And you're gonna get the Samaritans. And, and you're gonna get sinners of all kinds. And it's a mess. It's complicated. What happens is that you, you reach a lot of people who come from different backgrounds and it becomes uncomfortable for some of us because we may be sitting next to someone who didn't vote like us. What? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to disappoint you, right? You, 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 sit to ne- you sit next to somebody who has a different thought of eschatology than you do, uh, the study of end times. And what we, listen, what we would love, and let me just tell you, this is easier. What we love is just, hey, this is, boom, this is, let me put on the screen like this. This is what we call bounded church. We make, we make the rules, right? And if you agree with our rules, you're in. But if you don't, you're out. Now, most of us were raised in churches like this. It's not necessarily bad. Let me just tell you, it's easier. It's easier. If you believe like us, you're in. Come on. But if you don't believe like us, the problem, this is just my opinion, but the problem with this is this is not what Jesus did. This is easier. Because then all the people in my little square vote like me. All the people in my square, for the most part, believe like me. All the people in my square live like me, and it's not that messy. Or there's another kind of look of of a church that is the fuzzy. It's like we don't know what we believe. It's just everybody does right in their own eyes, and it's like, well, I love this one, and there is no center. In the bounded church, the center is our rules. In the fuzzy church, the center is you and me. But I think there's a different way to look at it. It's called the centered or the Jesus-centered set where Jesus is at the center and we're just moving toward him. Amen. Love it. I do too. <laughs> and and this, this way, you know what? This person may be a Pharisee and this person may be a prostitute and this person may be a, a, a tax collector and this person may be a Roman centurion and it, you know what? It doesn't matter. This, or, or this person may be reformed this person may be not reformed. This person thinks this of Israel. This person thinks that of Israel. But we're just moving towards Jesus. And what Jesus says, and, and he's the center. What he says, that's how we live. What he does, that's what we do. And, and we just try to center our church on Jesus. Matthew eleven thirty eight. 38. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you. Can we just stop right there? All of you. If you're weary and you're burdened 
I welcome you to the table. I welcome you. Now, that's messy. Let me just tell you, I never, ever dreamed that I would pastor a church like this. Never. The things that we, some of you know, but some of you, the things that we work with and, and, and deal with and, and try to manage around and navigate, it's not what I'm used to. It's not, it's, not all the, it's not all the time comfortable. In fact, most of the time it's not comfortable because I have the, 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 the way that I was raised and I have people like that who, who, who were raised like me and they're just like, hey, 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 what's going on here? We got some weird people here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, by, and let me just tell you, you're one of them. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's easy to fish with nets. I just don't even you know the way to do it and stand before the Lord with integrity. The stewardship responsibility that not even given me, but he's given us. A Jesus-centered mission just throws out the nets, brings them in, and deals with the mess. Let me, let me put it on the screen like this. Fishing with nets makes everything harder. Fishing with nets makes everything more complicated. When we fish with nets, we can't be afraid of the mess. It's messy. Some of you are messy. Some of us are messy. We have messy stories. We have messy lives. I talk to people every week of my life. Most every day of my life, I have a lunch with somebody, and I'm hearing their story, and it's messy. Very rare is the story like, ah, I got saved at five, and I've been living for the Lord ever since. And I've won 255 people to the Lord. And I just love, I mean, it's rare that I have, I don't even know that I've ever had that. No, I've been divorced twice, or I've been divorced once, and I've lost this, and I've, I mean, it's, um, it's like all kinds of people. And let me just tell you, if we're going to box it, if we're just going to box it, I'm going to tell you something. We'll become religious, self-righteous people that really don't give a rip about anybody else outside of our box. And I'm just saying, hey, it's, it's harder, it's more complicated, and it's messy but what Jesus did was messy. And all the religious people who looked at Jesus, they were like, hey, 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 what are you doing? Well, you're eating with notorious sinners and scum. What in the world? This is a bad look. This is a bad way to do ministry. I just don't know the other way to do it. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to do what Jesus did. Is it complicated? Is it messy? Yeah. Yeah, it's messy. But our lives, all of us are messy. The third, and we'll end with this, People matter to God, so they should matter to us. Now, you knew I was going to throw this in there some way, somehow. People matter to God, so they should matter to me. Luke 5.10. Jesus replied, don't be, afraid of, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. See, it wasn't about the fish. And it wasn't about the abundance of fish. It was about people. Now, let me, let me, let me bring this home. And I want you to think about your life, and I want you to think about what you do, where you live, where you go to school, where you work. I want you to think about what you do. And then I want you to read this with me. We don't adjust the mission of Jesus to align with our mission. We adjust our mission to align with his.
whatever you do, whatever I do, whatever we do, we want to be Jesus-centered. I've come to preach to the poor, release the captives, open blind eyes, the oppressed, year of the Lord's favor. This is why I'm here. This is why we're here. You sell that home. You put on that roof. You close that case. You pull someone over for speeding. Remember this when you see me. (laughs) Whatever you do, guys, whatever you do, here's our mission. I know you know this, but I'm just going to put it on the screen. Inviting everyone to follow Jesus and then helping them move the center of God's purpose for their lives. Listen, what, don't hear this, because many times when I, when I talk, talk like this, me, people get, get antsy because they say, oh, so, so we can just do anything we want to do? And no, no, we're going to invite people to follow Jesus, and then we're going to help them move to the center of God's purpose for their lives. So we're going to preach the word. But we're going to let Jesus do that work. They don't, we don't have, we get the discipleship before the following. And we want people to get all cleaned up before they come in. And I'm just saying, no, that doesn't work that way. It didn't work that way for you. And it certainly didn't work that way for me. We just say, we throw that net. Let's throw that, let's, let's, guys, in your life and in our church, let's just throw nets. And let's bring in whatever comes in. And then we'll let the Lord clean that up. Holy Spirit's big enough for all of us. And maybe you're here today, whatever campus, maybe online, and you're far from God. I can just tell you, do we raise money here at Hope? Yeah. Do we ask you to serve? Yeah. Do we ask you to get connected? Yeah. Do we ask you to read the scripture? Yeah. Do we ask you to worship? Yeah. Do we ask you to pray? Yeah. Ask you to give to special projects? Yeah. We do all the things that churches do, big churches, small churches, we all do those things. But at the core, the core of our church is that people matter to God. And if people matter to God, they should matter to us, whoever they are, whoever they are. And maybe you're here today and you're one of those people that's far from God. And the reason that we exist is for you. We want to invite you to follow the Jesus that we follow, that we're trying to follow. We don't always follow him perfectly, but we want to invite you to follow the Jesus that we follow. Listen to what he says, do what he does, and then let's get into the center of his will for our lives. So if you're here today and you're far from God, wherever you are, whatever campus you are sitting at right now, under your breath as I'm praying, I want you to just say, Lord, I surrender. I've done it my way for far too long. I, I believe and I want to live and I want to influence this world. Lord, many of us are in that category of, of people who need you and we're far from you for whatever reason. And there are many of us that still struggle with nets. We just, it's just uncomfortable. I just, wish, I, I just wish we were just more all alike. And Lord Jesus, if there was no other reason you came, and I know you came to sacrifice and to, and to 
rise again and so that we could have forgiveness and that we could have eternal life. Thank you. But if there's a secondary reason why you came, it's to show us how to live. And that net was wide and, and it was complicated and it was messy and there were a lot of people who misunderstood and, and it was just uh, it was crazy but Lord I pray that you would help us those of us that are far today that we would surrender quit fighting quit running we would surrender and those of us that are a little bounded a little squared, like us four no more. That's where I'm more comfortable. God, would you open our hearts? Would you open our hearts? May your kingdom come in our lives and your will be done in our lives and in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.